0: Hey everyone, thanks for watching. If you'd like to see more podcasts, such as Episode 8 with Dean Raiden, podcasts that aren't associated with any particular HemiSync product, but simply feature fascinating people and subjects associated with the frontiers of consciousness research and understanding, please support our Patreon page and get some great discounts on HemiSync products in the bargain. Thanks for supporting the show. Hey, thanks for joining the HemiSync podcast. We're joined today by Deborah Bromley. Deborah is a UK based author and hypnotherapist who specializes in life between lives therapy. She helps clients to access trance states and altered states of consciousness in order to work with their own spiritual guides. Her new HemiSync release is called Creating a Positive Future. So please welcome Deborah Bromley. Deborah, thanks for joining us. Um, I was hoping maybe we could just start with a bit about your background. Um, I know that you began your career as an environmental health officer. How did that kind of how do you take that segue into doing what you're doing now?
1: <laughs> well, I was an environmental health officer. I'm not sure you have those kind of um, professions in the in America, Garrett, because I think um, maybe the functions are a bit split up. But mm-hmm. uh, I, I started um, after I left school, went to university, and studied environmental health which is to do with um, policing the public health. So it's mm-hmm. to do with housing, rented housing. It's to do with um, food safety, noise and pollution, health and safety, drains, rats, and all kinds of things like that. Okay. That was really interesting. And um, I, was, I, I was, did it full time for 20 years, 25 years. And um, I specialised in housing. I love houses. Um, I wish I had more of them, actually. And uh, I, um, I used to meet some very vulnerable people because the kind of houses that I used to be interested in were houses that had homeless people in or people who would be homeless, um, living in one room perhaps, or single mums, the kind of people who, you know, maybe there were drug problems or mental health problems. Mm. And I, I wanted to help them. Mm. I think everybody wants to help people you know, when, when you know, they're in that situation. So maybe I'd have been called because the hot water wasn't working or there are rats running in the back kitchen, but actually what I really, really longed to do was to say, come on, let's see if we can get you out of this mess. Mm-hmm. And they would talk to me. And as a result of that, I realized that I really didn't understand what they were thinking. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's it really. I remember the time when I, I was like scratching my head there was a single mum, she'd left home, or her mum had kicked her out. I mean, this is quite you know, difficult situation for me yeah. to talk about, and obviously very much for her. She had a young child, I was trying to get through to her. How did you end up here? Why did you row with your mum? I was quite pushy in those days. <laughs> and uh, I was going through her, her choices, and I really couldn't understand, because Garrett, you know, and I'm gonna be totally honest here, I wouldn't have made those choices. Mm. And I realized almost in a split second that I had no idea how this young girl thought, or I couldn't empathize with her feelings, so um, I needed to know, and that was what drove me really to um, seek out some extra training to try and make me a better environmental health officer, but also to be able to advise people how to um, how to get on with their lives and how to get out of the holes that they dug themselves in. Mm-hmm. So, and this is the, you know, the enlightenment moment, if you like. Yeah. I was surfing the internet like you do on a Sunday evening, glass of wine in hand, maybe, and wanting to. I was surfing psychology degrees, all kinds of things like that. Top of my search results, hypnotherapy. Mm-hmm. And I, goodness me, that's exciting. It has an air of mystery. Mm-hmm like a child in a sweetie shop and I, I signed up pretty much there and then. So that's the story and uh, of course as soon as I started training, as anybody who's studied um, any of the talking therapies will know, the answers start to come to you about how people think, how people feel, um, how people um, take their life paths. And, and what we can do to help people make better choices, what we can do to make ourselves make better choices. Because right. of course, um, it's, it's a journey of self-discovery and very much sort of self-revelation.
0: And so these people that you came into contact with, these people that were in trouble, um, mm. were they receptive to hypnotherapy or these different modalities that you wanted to approach them with?
1: Oh no, I, I had to leave to do it. Okay. You can, you can imagine. Well, you know, walking into my boss's office and saying, oh, by the way, I'm going off to study hypnotherapy for a mm-hmm. while. Um, do you still want to employ me? Gotcha. I don't think i said that, but uh, I think they, they thought I was a bit mad. Uh-huh. I, I, it was time for me to go and to, um, you know, pursue a different career, really. So that's what I did. But mm-hmm. I never forgot that that feeling of puzzlement as to how how... How do people um, get themselves into such a mess?
0: Right, and, and what... what's
1: going on in their minds to yeah. make them make those choices? Gotcha. Uh, you know that, that may sound a little bit patronising, but uh, that was that was how I felt at the time. Well, of course, I it... fixed their hot water system and got rid of the rats in the back kitchen. Right.
0: Well, I think what you're getting at is that we often act from a place unconsciously. Um, mm. Due to various types of patterning that we might have, or you know, programming that we might have, based on our history and our past experience, um, and it causes us to act in ways that um, maybe aren't in our best interest, or um, you know, act from a place that we're not fully aware of. Am mm, I exactly. stating that? Okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But of course, the key thing that we want to know is: is there something that we can do to help? Right um and and that 's what I really wanted to know obviously it was i I did actually go back to my my environmental health work some years later because um they they were short staffed and uh you know mm-hmm. i i I wanted more full time work, so I did my hypnotherapy alongside my environmental health. They seemed quite happy about that mm-hmm. of course, what I found was I was much better equipped to empathize with people who were in a tight spot and Help them think more positively
0: yeah so what did you find as you started to delve into this type of work
1: what hypnotherapy
0: yeah and i, I guess you also got involved with um, nlp or neuro neurolingu- linguistic programming yes. right mm-hmm.
1: i think i think we all in my view nlp is definitely the foundation stone of of hypnotherapy and talking therapies it tells us so much about how the human mind works mm-hmm. Uh, and I have to pay tribute to, you know, those pioneers, um, Bandler and Grinder and all their associates for the fantastic work they did. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I think about NLP a lot. I know that sounds a bit weird. Yeah. You know, I've just come out with a presupposition of NLP. Um, just, you know, to illustrate a point, it's, yeah. it's truly fascinating. And, um, you know, yes, it, it was part of the course. And uh, I think it's very, very important that we... We stay true to those kind of roots.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, it's um, it's my understanding um, that a lot of very successful or successful coaches um, have backgrounds in NLP and employ techniques that are grounded in NLP. Um, I, I believe Tony Robbins, for instance, is you know a, uh, much of his work is based on that. Um, but it's very um, popular
1: in this country, very popular, yeah. particularly in business. Um,
0: mm-hmm. uh, Mm. Very interesting. So with with that as your foundation, um, what initially drew you to HemiSync?
1: Okay, well I, I, I trained in um, 1999 mm-hmm. and uh, I had a supervisor and she recommended a HemiSync track and HemiSync products um, for me to listen to for personal development. So I have been a HemiSync fan for nearly 20 years now. Oh. Um, so yes, it's not a, a recent thing. Um, I um, started to listen to guided meditations and I enjoyed the music particularly. I have my favourites, I put them on when I'm writing or you know, when I want to relax. And of course when I started seeing clients, HemiSync was a tremendous resource for me because of course when you're working with clients, they're used to hearing your voice talking. Mm-hmm. To be quite honest, sometimes they need a bit of light relief. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a hemisync guided meditation is perfect because it gives variety. Mm-hmm. And also, clients need to practice a lot, I've found, in order to get where they want to go.
0: Mm-hmm. So,
1: I would be able to recommend hemisync, um, of course, because of the interesting aspect that I knew it would really help them with their trance work. Yeah. I think that's the main value. I mean, you know, to be able to, when, when clients come, and often, the first thing they will say is, I'm not sure I can be hypnotized. Mm-hmm. I worry that I can't slow my mind down. Um, and you you know, you know, reassure them that, that everybody can do it, it just takes practice. Mm-hmm. And if, if you can go to sleep at night, you automatically pass through the state of somnambulism, yeah. which represents working hypnosis for, for therapy purposes. Mm-hmm. But nevertheless, um, Giving them a, uh, or, or encouraging them to buy Hemisync track actually, um, and with the you know the special frequencies, right. uh, helps them to learn for themselves how to go into trance. So, even though this sounds very much like an advertisement, this is what happened to me. So I've been a huge fan for all those years. That's what drew me to Hemisync.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Particularly in relation to this track that I've recorded, um, I was I was listening to one of your best-selling tracks, mm-hmm. lying on the bed and a voice came into my head and it said you should do this. <laughs> no, I'm I'm not joking. Uh-huh. And you know that voice when that voice tells you to do something
0: you have to answer
1: have to ignore it because it will keep on and on and on until you actually yeah. do what you're told. So I I just um, sent an email and had a positive response and right. here we are today. So that's yeah. my Tami sync story.
0: That's a great story. So um, When you're trying to work with clients, you're you're trying to help them access a specific state of consciousness that you describe Mm. as a trance state. So that means different things to different folks. How Mm. would you describe a trance state?
1: Oh, now you're asking me to define hypnosis. Um, That's a tricky one. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of definitions, but uh, I I I'm not going to try and define it because Mm -hmm. I know that. People measure um, brain waves and are able to say, well, you know, in this state, this is a trance state, that's a trance state. Right. We call working trance somnambulism. Mm-hmm. The sort of Greek for sleep, I think mm-hmm. it's Greek, um, and it's a, it's a, a point in um, consciousness where mm-hmm. the conscious mind relaxes to a point where it won't interfere, right. and the therapist is able to start to work with the unconscious mind. Yeah. I, I found when you have to explain it to clients, and I think this is a good explanation for anybody who perhaps doesn't really understand about mm-hmm. what drugs is, or thinks it's something strange or something that they can't do. Because mm-hmm. uh, we all have computers nowadays, and we understand that um, computers have virus software, mm-hmm. and they have mm-hmm. firewalls. Now, your conscious mind can sometimes act like a firewall, yeah. uh, and keep good things out. And in order to have effective therapy, mm-hmm. the hypnotherapist needs to almost like to take that firewall down mm-hmm. for the period of time that right. they work with the client, and therefore get access to the unconscious mind, the huge database where all the emotions, the memories, uh, all the information that is making the client have whatever symptoms they're having. So
0: yeah.
1: for me, working trance, is, is really what counts. Because um, altered states uh, exist many different kinds of altered states for all different kinds of, of purposes. So um,
0: yeah,
1: pluralism you know, is my thing.
0: Right. So we kind of have what we call a mind-awake-body-asleep state, um, which <laughs> I describe as a trance state. But you actually point out an important distinction here, um, and that is between. Um, the type of mind awake that we're describing here, which is really bypassing ordinary consciousness, or yeah. the firewall, as you put it, yeah. um, as opposed to a mind awake state that most people would kind of think of as being mind awake, which is walking around, having a conversation like we're having or um, you know, going to work. We don't mean that type of mind awake. This is a different type of mind awake um, that bypasses your ordinary consciousness.
1: Mm. Yeah, and you need to be able to get past that, that mm-hmm. firewall. We call it the critical faculty, with mm-hmm. uh, the mind's protection to stop unwanted material from getting into the unconscious. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, it's it's complicated, but right. uh, simple in practice of course.
0: Right. Uh, and, and so And of course
1: are talking about all other altered states, there's you know, from experience and I think when when you, you talk to people about it, they can easily identify when they're in other different states of consciousness, for example, Mm -hmm. when they're driving on a route that they regularly drive, and they find that they get there and they don't even know how they got there. Mm -hmm. You know that they're in a light trance and their unconscious mind is running the very beautiful driving program that allows them to get from their home to the shops or the school or whatever it is, Mm -hmm. and they don't have to engage their conscious mind at all. That's a good example when you want people to understand what What the unconscious mind is capable of, and what the conscious mind's role is, what what it does. Um, So yeah.
0: So we spoke a bit earlier about what actually motivates people's actions and um, how that relates to their programming. And so, I take it that you find that it's a lot easier to change that programming from this trance state. Is that is that accurate?
1: Yes, very much so. Mm -hmm. And of course. When you, when you study hypnotherapy, you, hypnotherapy is two words. It's hypno, of course, which is to do with accessing the trance state, mm-hmm. and then the therapy. And um, we learn many, many different therapeutic techniques, some of which are used um, in other talking therapies, mm-hmm. like in a child mm-hmm. work, for example, and um, some of which are NLP techniques. Mm-hmm. But the difference is, of course, with the trance, it makes the therapy um, faster and In my view, more Mm. effective.
0: Yeah, we definitely agree. Um, (laughs) So, um. Trance,
1: that's what we like to experience.
0: Right. Um, and so, given that background, um, Mm. how has all of that informed this, um, track that you've put together called Creating a Better Future, um, or Creating a Positive Future, right? Positive Future. Yeah.
1: So um so I've worked with clients now for nearly 20 years mm-hmm. and everybody is different everybody comes with their their own different issues and it's inevitable that you start to generate some original material some original tracks mm-hmm. if somebody comes they have an issue that's unique and you don't have a script or you don't have a treatment protocol that will be suitable suitable for them mm-hmm. you have to start writing things yourself and mm-hmm. of course I because I love writing and I love words, I found that I, um, I love to write hypnotherapy scripts. Uh-huh. So I started to write my own hypnotherapy scripts. Now, this creating a positive future track, um, I have thought about how I would describe it. And um, it came about because I had a, a most lovely client who did really, really well. Mm-hmm. And at the end, she was going off to start her life um, having healed all her issues, she was full of positivity and me being a, a giving kind of person, I wanted to like give her something mm-hmm. to, to, to mark you know the end or the celebration of, of her her going off into the world. Think of it like a, a sort of a, a hypnosis box of chocolates mm-hmm. or a <laughs> anyway. I designed this thing specifically for her, and it was to help her to attract all the lovely good things into her life that she felt had been missing mm-hmm. And um, of course, I've refined it a lot since then, but that was the purpose of it. And of course, um, as more clients came along, I was able to give them the same track and say, look, you know, keep up with your hypnosis because it's going to stand you in good stead. Here is something that you can listen to. And I wish you all good things and I want you to flourish. And if you listen to this track, Mm -hmm. you will be able to work on attracting good things into your life. So that's where it comes from and so that for that reason, it's very dear to my heart because I have very fond memories of all those um, lovely people that I worked with. Um, so in essence, I suppose it's a, it is manifesting. Mm-hmm. But I like to think of it as more than manifesting because it contains lots of different hypnotherapy techniques and ideas that work on nourishing the person at a very deep level. Yeah, I guess the main thing that I want to get across in it is the idea that people do have personal power, people mm-hmm. do have energy, even if they think they have no choices, there's nowhere for them to go, that no good things are going to happen to them in life. Mm-hmm. They work on their power, their personal power, their right to determine the course of their life, and you can do this using simple breathing techniques imagining techniques yeah but work on making that power grow and very soon you realize yes i can choose a different path i can have a better life i yeah. can start to attract good things into my life right so that's where i started with it and and then extra bits have been added as i've gone along so
0: right and so what was interesting to me, and it sounds like, you know, the inspiration for this was, was you know, from a beautiful source. Um, so it does sa- it does sound like a manifestation exercise, but it begins almost like an out-of-body exercise, so a different state of consciousness. And so um, what was the thinking or the inspiration behind that? Because that is unique.
1: The flying bit.
0: Yeah, the flying yes. bit. Yeah. I don't
1: know where that came from, Gary. Honestly, uh-huh. it was in the original script that I wrote,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and um, I wanted to—I wanted to put a suggestion into the uh, into the track of not so much out of body, but the idea of freedom. Yeah. And of course, I mean, I'm not going to put you on the spot with this question, mm-hmm. but I think many of us have experienced dreams where we have been flying, mm. maybe it's connected with astral projection, mm-hmm. maybe it's just a snippet of an idea, um, and I certainly have experienced flying dreams and what I wanted yeah. to do. In hypnosis we often use metaphor, so the flying is a metaphor for freedom, it's yeah. a metaphor for that feeling of being unlimited and yeah. that you could do anything. So it has two purposes, it's to Help the client to understand that they have the freedom to make better choices, freedom to have a better life.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And It's also to give them that um, that higher perspective, if you like, because during the track they can fly and they can look down on themselves. Yeah. Uh, in you know in a in a sort of an imagined imaginary um, scene. Yeah. So that's why I put that in, and I have to say when I listen to it. Um, I enjoy it very much because it does remind me of, of, well, where did I get those wings from? That's yeah. what I want <laughs> to Yeah. yeah. Very, it's meant to be enjoyable. It's meant to be enjoyable and, and that's what I hope that part achieves. So,
0: Yeah, and it certainly is and it sounds like it serves multiple purposes. Um, mm. I do think it's a lot easier to have a feeling of freedom um, mm. and less connection with your patterning or your history. Um, when you're in that type of a state. Um, So that that makes a lot of sense. Um, And so are you incorporating elements of both hypnotherapy and NLP into the script in this meditation?
1: Yes, I I mean, I think it's inevitable that 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 happens. So Mm -hmm. um, because NLP, it's, it's in every therapeutic technique. So, um, yes, you kind of weave the different parts into the script. Mm-hmm. I always try, I mean this is just a, a sort of a professional comment really, but I always try and keep it nice and simple. Um, when you're writing something that people are going to listen to um, on, a, on a CD or they're going to stream, it's got to, it's got to reach. Everybody's imagination. You can't make it too complicated. Yeah. You can't use images that are too difficult for people to grasp hold of. And so, um, simple imagery. Imagery, and then also from an NLP perspective, bringing in the different senses, mm-hmm. because of course, as we know from, I don't know what the main thing NLP teaches us is that people do use their senses differently. Mm -hmm. So somebody might be a very visual person for example, and then um, visual imagery is very important to them. Or somebody might rely more on their ears, so auditory content, or somebody might have a kinesthetic profile, and therefore um, sensing and um, body feelings are more important for them. So,
0: you know,
1: I hope I've woven those parts into the track.
0: You certainly Um, did. And kind of further to that point, at one point you suggest combining the specific things you want in your life with the overall quality of your life and deeper meaning then wrapping it into a symbol Um, Mm. what is the purpose and power behind that
1: that's a complicated question and i'll my best to answer it so Mm. um and i can answer it from personal experience um and probably that's the best way to 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 you know, to understand what this part is about, yeah. um, when when we think to ourselves, "I really want something in my life, so maybe our life is bobbling along, and we think to ourselves, "Do you know what? Oh, I really, really want a new job. Oh, I'm so bored with my job. Mm-hmm. this is how the mind works. we know that mind starts its little dialogue up, and then um we start to wish for the new job, so A person listening to my track might start off with that idea, I'm going to try and manifest a new job um, in my life and I'm going to wish for it and see if I can attract it. Mm. Then what happens is, once you start to work on that, um, I ask you to think about why, to think about what exactly you want from the new job and it may be that you're bored with your old job or the hours aren't very good or the money's not very good. Maybe you want um, more free time, or maybe you wish um, you know to have freedom from you know money worries, for example, mm. so that that part is the quality behind the things so when we're wishing for something in our lives, it's usually we're wishing for a physical thing we're wishing for something material, and then if you look behind that because what I believe is that the universe, and this is a saying, and I'm sure you've heard it many, many times before, that the universe is benevolent and has our own best interests at heart. What I also believe is that the universe will give us the essence of what we want, and not neces—and we have to be open, if you like, and I put this in the track, we have to be open about how that blessing, if you like, is going to come into our lives. So we may have fixated on a particular thing that we want to attract, mm-hmm. and yet yeah. the universe may know. Perhaps it knows us better. Right. Um, the universe may bestow that that essence in a slightly different way. So we do have to keep an open mind. Does that make Does that bit make sense? Yes. it's, all, it's about higher feelings, really, higher feelings, rather than because. You know, manifesting, you could think about manifesting as being quite a selfish thing, for example, couldn't you? Oh, let's just, um, you know, I'll attract this and I'll attract that. But it's not, it's a very spiritual thing. Mm -hmm. It's helping you to get closer to the purpose of your life and your destiny. And I'll just mention the symbol because you asked about that specifically. Mm -hmm. Um, In the work that I do, the Life Between Lives Regression, which is a very deep, Um, soul journey to take you to remember um, the time in between incarnations and maybe we'll talk about that a bit later. Um, But in soul communication, symbols are very, very important. Um, When a spiritual being is trying to communicate a complex idea or a concept Mm -hmm. that maybe involves many hundreds or thousands of words, to a being who is embodied, like we are now. Mm -hmm. Sometimes a simple way to do that is using a symbol, Mm -hmm. an image or a picture, or something quite universal. Um, I'll give you an example, and these aren't hard things to work out. Um, An example of a bee, you know a simple bee yeah. do we think about a bee we think about it as being very busy buzzing around collecting nectar from flowers and that could that symbol if shown to um you know by a spiritual being could denote that the person needs to slow down a little bit mm-hmm. or just recognition that they're very busy or busy times does that does that make sense it does So the, the symbol can sometimes particularly convey many many complex ideas I just wanted to put the symbol into the track right. um, because it, it serves a useful purpose because when you've got a symbol, when you're able to kind of refine what you want, mm-hmm. it gives you something to lock into. It gives you something as, a, as an emblem almost yeah. um, to, to denote you know, what you're wishing for.
0: Right. So it sounds like it's a means of nonverbal communication, mm-hmm. a means of bypassing your um, ordinary conscious mind um a means of communicating a lot of information dense subject matter succinctly um and also a tool for maybe reinforcing the experience later um Mm. in a way that is simple and accessible that's right Um, so you touched on what is actually now your primary work in dealing with clients right it's it's life between life regression which i guess is also connected with your work with the newton institute um, That's right. Yeah. Can you can you tell us a bit about that and how that might impact this exercise? Firstly, are, are
1: you familiar with Dr. Newton's work at
0: all? A little bit. I mean, I've browsed the website, and yeah, I'm familiar with the background. Yeah. But tell so, our listeners what it's about.
1: Okay. Very much like Robert Monroe, mm-hmm. Dr. Mike Newton was a great pioneer, mm-hmm. um, and now sadly passed away. Um, A couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. He was a counselor, a traditional hypnotherapist, he wasn't really interested in past life work, he was mostly interested in just helping people with their ordinary everyday problems Mm -hmm. and almost by accident, and he describes this in the introduction to his books, Mm -hmm. almost by accident in hypnosis he gave what we call a command, Mm -hmm. a command given in trance like go here, imagine that, feel this. It's a very direct instruction. Mm -hmm. He gave a command Mm -hmm. in trance to a young lady he was working with, and she went straight from wherever she was talking about in her head to the afterlife. Mm. Um, it's quite a, an emotional story, because she, she'd she come to Dr. Newton because she felt lonely and she didn't have any close companions in her current life. Mm. And she hadn't made any bonds or relationships, she wasn't married, she felt very, very lonely indeed. And um, she described with tears in her eyes how when she w- remembered being in the afterlife, she could see all her soul friends, no. because they were all there, all, you know, it, it, we could say she was like flying solo in that particular mm-hmm. life. She was being independent and learning how to live on earth, um, but her soul friends were in heaven. Mm-hmm. So that started Michael off very much realising that he had hit on something interesting. And he practised and refined his technique and then um, started to work on clients. and. Michael regressed over 7,000 people during the course of his career and all of them to the life-between-lives state, which, just to clarify again, mm-hmm. after you die, so if we were doing past life regression,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you would take the person through the past life to the death scene mm-hmm. and then do some healing and, and wrap it up and then bring, bring them round. Well, with life-between-lives, we take the client beyond the past life to remember when they rose up from Earth's um, astral plane, and made the progression through to um, the afterlife, or mm-hmm. you know whatever um, you yeah. like to call it. Mm-hmm. And Michael found that as he regressed more clients, he found that they started to talk about um, similar things happening to them, almost like when we um, when we rise up after a life on Earth, we we go through a debriefing session with our guide yeah. and. And what um, his clients called a council of elders, like a, mm-hmm. a high group of, of souls who are um, you know, taking a longer term view, maybe over many lives. And then you go back to uh, meet with your soul friends who are yeah. waiting for you and uh, welcoming you with a party atmosphere. Mm-hmm. There are various other things that happen. So Michael built up this body of work over 7,000 different regressions, and it represents a huge. Um, subjective view because, mm-hmm. of course, all the people who were aggressed gave their own personal views. So we right. can't measure whether it was right or wrong, but nevertheless, yeah. it represents a huge body of work as to what the afterlife is like, right. the structure and organisation of the afterlife, and what happens to us after death. So,
0: right.
1: so that's what Life Between Lives is in a nutshell. Of course, it's a very big topic, but uh, I hope I've. Sure. Yeah, well. Up.
0: That's interesting because, of course, consciousness is inherently subjective, but mm. it's, I think you gain validation when so many different people report similar types of experience, similar to a lot of experiences that you know, people report having used HemiSync or being involved with Rho Institute as well. Um, and so that is uh, interesting confirmation.
1: It is, and, and it's interesting that, uh, that there's so much detail um, I think that's important, mm-hmm. and 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 a similar phraseology is used. Right. Because, of course, it's not possible. When you think about when, you know, if a scientist was sitting on in on this video call with us, and they mm-hmm. said, "Well, what proof have you got exactly right. that afterlife exists," and they maybe would talk about how the brain dies, and there's right. electrical surges, and it's just all in your imagination. All right. And I think the more um, subjective responses or the more reports that we have of what people experience in detail, it helps to build a body of evidence um, that, you know, that what happens to us after death is real. um, Right.
0: Well, you know, you kind of touch upon an interesting bias that I think is built into science um, in that it sort of... um, the vast majority of the scientific community comes from a materialist perspective. And so Mm -hmm. they have this this predisposition to believe that consciousness is created in the brain from physical matter. Um, And there, frankly, just isn't that much data that supports that. In fact, there's very little. Um, Mm -hmm. And yet, you know, that's how they want to go about um, understanding this thing called consciousness that is... I think actually, what is fundamental. I mean, that is what is primary, um, and they want to approach it from this reductive perspective, where okay, you know, let me find the place in the brain or you know, um, the group of cells that give rise to this phenomenon. And I I just think that that is very limited.
1: What I don't understand is such a pessimistic viewpoint Mm. and completely without hope. Yeah, and and it must. (laughs) <laughs> it might be for a very difficult scientific career. Yeah. Um, almost trying to prove that hope doesn't exist. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I struggle with that idea because yeah. um, there we are.
0: Yeah. But it
1: is is it it is very interesting and it is complicated. And, of course, people do have very different views on it. Right. Um, my. When I talk to people about Life Between Lives, I always like to point out that this is a, a sort of a if you like my you know my passion to, to, to help people to understand this that everybody's own spiritual experience is subjective mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it can 't be measured by anybody else and what you experience is right for you and even if it 's only a little bit of light or a, a small feeling um, and it makes you happy um, who, who who is why does it have to be? like a book that you read yeah. or why does it have to stand up uh, you know objectively and be measured against anything mm-hmm. um it's it's important for people to be happy with their own experience and mm-hmm. and not to feel that they've got to be judged against what they what they read or or what they see on the internet mm-hmm. um you know and i think that's an important point to make really
0: yeah absolutely mm. um Uh, Well, so towards the end of the exercise, um, you emphasize the importance of visiting this future life that you've created. Um, Is that a sort of positive visualization technique, or are there other um, aspects to that, other objectives, other benefits?
1: Yeah. We use this technique a lot. Taking a person into their future is a way for a hypnotherapist to test if the work they've done is successful. Mm-hmm. So, say, for example, I mean, just on a very simplistic level, if you were treating somebody for a simple fear or a phobia, at the end of the treatment, you would, in trance, take them through to a future, maybe six or twelve months in advance, and check that the work, you know, was still valid to mm-hmm. check that the fear had gone. Um, so, it's something that hypnotherapists are using all the time and, of course, uh, another mainstream treatment is called timeline therapy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, f- progressing into a future is very common um, in therapeutic terms. What it gives us the benefit for in this particular exercise is that it allows the person to visit their future when the the thing that they've been working on manifesting has come into their lives. Mm-hmm. and. Of Course, we are able to do two things at this point. Firstly, to make it a very positive experience, to add color, depth, yeah. sensation, happiness, joy, pleasure, satisfaction. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to bring in some relatives at this point, um, mm. and, and I've been this track, so um, you, you bring in your loved ones and your relatives, and you In in your imagination, you discuss how happy you are and how everything is marvellous and and how well you've done. Because of course, it does take effort and energy and dedication to to make these life changes. Mm -hmm. and So that's the primary um, reason. Um, And secondly, what happens is, if there's anything that hasn't quite turned out like you thought it was going to, Say you know you you've imagined your dream you've energized your dream you've brought this dream into your life you go into your imagined future and you find out that there are some drawbacks mm-hmm. it gives unconscious mind an opportunity to say hold on a minute this isn't quite how we thought it was going to be
0: mm-hmm. and
1: of course you can do this um, and find out if what you wish for is actually going to work for you in reality. Mm-hmm. And you could do it quite simply without any, um, you know, without a dent in your bank balance or putting anything at risk mm-hmm. or making any life changes, it's, it's, it's quite magical. Yeah. So you try on this future for size, for example like buying a, a new coat, and then see if it fits. Mm-hmm. If it fit, you can go back to the drawing board and make some adjustments. Mm-hmm. I think important because as we discussed earlier, sometimes when you wish for something, it doesn't, it's not always the right thing Yeah. you want to do. This is a huge learning exercise as well, um, and you talked about consciousness, and we talked about conscious and unconscious. Um, I believe that when we're doing an exercise like this, we're getting very close to that part of us which actually knows and understands our destiny. and We're getting closer to that immortal part of us yeah. that is Wants us to go in in a direction which is going to fulfil right. what we souls really want to fulfil in this life. Right. So it's giving you a chance, really, to um, to follow a path that is true and good, and mm-hmm. to get where you really, really want to go. Right. So that was my aim, and I hope it. Uh, I hope it works out. Yeah. To, to make it as good as it can
0: be. So just um, one last thing that I was hoping to touch on with you. So we're using hypnotherapy techniques and Hemisync to kind of bypass the ordinary conscious mind, to change our programming, to change our patterning. Um, how do you think that gets married up with the ordinary conscious mind? Because the ordinary conscious mind, it always wants to get back involved, right? It wants to evaluate this. It wants to judge it. You know, it might... You know, make certain judgments along the lines of, oh, you know, this isn't going to work or, you know, this is hopeless or this is silly. Do you have any advice for kind of marrying up those two things?
1: Yeah. I mean, I have great respect for the conscious mind. It Mm -hmm. does a very important job it would be easy to say, oh, the conscious mind doesn't know what it's talking about. And it is true, I think everybody realises it just feed us an undiluted stream of negativity. Uh, I certainly know my conscious mind does. Mm -hmm. However, it is the intelligent, judgmental element of our minds that is determined to keep us safe. And when we've brought up material from the unconscious, which is what we're doing when we're using hypnosis or hemisync or any other kind of meditative, um, product. It's almost as if the conscious mind then has to look at it and use its intelligence to, um, you know, to make sense of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, I always say to people trust your conscious mind, trust it to look at what you've um, discovered and to, um, you know, to, to make sense of it. So, from the perspective of marrying the two parts together, I, I believe that both are valid, and we should trust and respect the conscious mind, mm-hmm. but of course, mm-hmm. when it comes to thinking about um, what actions you might want to take in order to turn these 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 dreams, if you like, or this imagined material um, into reality, you do have to um, to take steps because what we 're doing, what manifesting actually is is turning energy into matter. Mm-hmm. It's quite, even as I say that, it sounds quite groovy. Mm-hmm. Um, turning energy into matter and making things happen in the material world. So yeah. um, there will be actions that, that need to be taken. And they, they, those actions will come from a deep place.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's the conscious mind's job to decide how best to go about them.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you find it helpful to write things down or create a plan?
1: Oh yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. Um, I think with a track like this, and uh, in the uh, introduction I wrote, because some people might think, well, you know, how long is it going to take? How often do I need to listen to it? Mm -hmm. These take time, and I've done manifesting in my own life. I know that these things take time, and we have to be patient. Um, So, I I believe that the actions evolve. So, it may be that your unconscious tells you to do a couple of things. The next time you listen you get more information. I don't believe that your unconscious will give you 25 actions that need to be taken, you know, within a two-month period or your dreams are, you know, off the table. Um, I think it's a bit more organic than that. Mm -hmm. But yes, writing things down and uh, making a plan is always good. And patience. You see, Have, have, uh, well, i 'm going to ask you so have you um, practiced with any manifesting there are, you know there 's a lot of products out there to mm-hmm. practice and you can also just do it, do it yourself without any guidance. Have you tried manifesting
0: i, I mean i 've kind of lived my entire life that way um, and i Probably. I ask for big things too like i don't i don 't settle um, no. and sometimes it takes a really long time and yeah. you know your conscious mind starts to doubt and um, You know, can become your own worst enemy in some ways. Um, So it requires constant reinforcement. Um, I do find it helpful to have a plan as well. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's kind of the step of sort of creating it in an expanded state of consciousness, and then, um, you know, having to actually do stuff here in the physical realm to try to bring it about. so I think you kind of need both, at least in, in my experience.
1: But it, it, I think you'd agree it does evolve, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. It does evolve. And yeah. And you have an yeah. idea about what path um, to take, and then after a while you realize there's a, a better path or a different right. path. And, of course, we also know the universe has a way of just... Slipping things into your life mm-hmm. unexpectedly mm-hmm. or so driving, you know, headlong in a particular direction
0: mm-hmm. And the universe
1: mm-hmm. just gently pulls you round and says look it's here. Yeah, you don't need to You know dash off in that direction. So yeah, I like the way that happens.
0: Oh, yeah That's part of the there wonder is, and the magic of it.
1: That's right. Yeah. There is an interesting saying um, which is um, from from another spiritual author that I very much admire. And the saying is, there is a time to take action and there is a time to surrender. Mm -hmm. And the trick Mm -hmm. is to know when to do either of them. Mm -hmm. So, sometimes I like to just practice surrendering and see what happens. Becoming very passive Mm -hmm. and and see where I end up. Yeah. So, mm, maybe, you know, it's enjoyable because, unexpected things happen to you then I always feel when I'm being passive and not trying to achieve anything yeah uh, I've, I find myself in in places talking to people that I would never have have done if I'd been oh yes I've got to rush off and do this I've got to complete this project you know I've got to have that meeting I've right. got to do this advertising so it's an interesting thought isn't it but I like that when i'm um, rushing off like a mad woman and my head is buzzing with thoughts and um, I haven't sat down for a week. I like to remind myself from time to time that surrendering is pretty good. And, uh, yeah,
0: uh-huh. Yeah. I mean there can be different ways of being that are appro- that are appropriate for different stages of life and different um, different things that you're trying to bring about in your life. Um, and I feel like if you're paying attention you can kind of sense into um, what's called for at a given point in time
1: that's right yeah but I, I do like the unexpected nature of, of this this journey this mm. life Jeff oh yeah uh, we think we've got it worked out
0: right well
1: I, you know I, I can only talk for myself okay I'm not bringing anybody else into this discussion but mm-hmm. uh, casting aspersions but I like to think I've got it worked out and then um, you know things change yeah the spiritual, I slip on the spiritual banana skin and (laughs) I'm lying in a a puddle on a part of my body that hurts. So, yeah, I I don't mind that. It's (laughs) good
0: lessons. (laughs) (laughs) Deborah, um, thanks again for taking the time to speak with me and for reaching out to us and uh, creating this exercise with us. Um, I think it'll help a lot of people. And I um, I think this talk will too. So if you're listening and you liked it, you think it's useful, please share it up. Um, Check us out online. And uh, thanks for joining us.
1: Thank you very much, Gary. Thanks, Deborah. Uh, It's been a pleasure talking to you.
0: Likewise. Talk to you all next time.